welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. We are recording another episode. A little fun fact for you. We recently completed our 100th episode. We did. Of the podcast. I know. And unfortunately, we are trying to keep our heads above water. So we did not do anything <laughs> to celebrate. So I'm like, babe, let's do it at 111. That's going to be where we celebrate the big, uh, make a big deal about, about making it to this episode number. So, Well, it's crazy that we, when we started this, I wasn't sure how many episodes. You know what's hilarious is I remember getting like, eight episodes in and going, wow, we like, we've talked about everything I know to talk about. There's not a single thing left to talk about. And I mentioned that to my dear friend, Brittany, and she's like, oh my gosh, Mikkel, that's (laughs) not true. (laughs) It's been fun to connect with people. I know it's really fun to be able to do it and make so many friends that message me all the time. It makes me feel really popular. Well, not (laughs) popular. It just makes me feel like I have a lot of friends. (laughs) Which also is fine. Okay, so why don't you give us the meme for the week? Okay, meme for the week. Bipolar to life says, how do people stay in the house all day? Um, All my stuff is there, and I don't like people. <laughs> like, how would you not stay in the house Easy. all day? I don't understand what you don't understand. It's so <laughs> simple. <laughs> all my stuff is there, and I don't like people. <laughs> I relate. (laughs) (laughs) So is it this week or was it last week? It was Mental Health Awareness Week. This week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Okay. Last month was Suicide Awareness slash Suicide Prevention Month. Okay. And then the first week in October is Mental Health Awareness Week. Excellent. Yes. So now we got that. For us, it's every day. Every, Every day. day we're so aware of mental <laughs> health and suicide awareness, all of the things every day. Turns out we don't need anything on the calendar. <laughs> it turns out. It's like, you know, when you were a kid, I remember having a fit all the time. Like, why is there Mother's Day and Father's Day and there's no Kids Day? And my mom's like, yeah, every single day of your entire life is Kids Day. Yes. Yeah, true. Every single day of our entire lives is Mental Health Awareness Day. Yes. And we'd like to celebrate with all of you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So family update. We have a few things going on. Mikkel has been on television. Uh, It's very important (laughs) that we share this. It is very important because this is a huge part of my life. Yes. Uh, It's actually not. So Why don't you you tell them how you found yourself to be on the early morning news? Yeah, live. Okay. Yeah. So a friend of mine, Sarah with Desert Paddleboards, she's like, I don't know, like fairly famous, right? She's done so many crazy things. She's the founder of Goat Yoga. Uh, She has Desert Paddleboards. She's been on a billion different reality shows with like American Ninja Warrior and The Amazing Race and like a bunch of other ones too. So Anyway, we're like, we met through friend of a friend. So we're, we're friends. And she texts me and it's like, Hey, Mikkel, come to the park in the morning with your rollerblades and, um, like skate around. Cause the news is going to be there. We're doing it live. And I need a lot of people to be there. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, like, I'll be there for sure. Cool. So let me just pause this, the story here for a minute saying 
How many of you, if your friend said, come over, bring your rollerblades, we're going to skate around because the news is going to record, <laughs> we're going to do a news segment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would anybody ask additional follow-up questions? <laughs> I, I definitely would. I, I would have asked, but Mikel is like, no, I'm all in. I'm like, shoot, I'm there. I'm there. Rollerblades, the news. I mean, what's not to like about this? <laughs> it might be worth noting as well, the last time I rollerbladed, was when I was serving a mission for our church. Okay. And what age would that be? That was 21, 22. It's been a while. It's been, you know, <laughs> 20 plus more years since that's happened. But I'm like, I we used to go all the time. I'm like, yeah. I can totally rollerblade it's for like, sure. It's like yeah. riding a bike. Oh, yeah. You just never forget how to rollerblade. You just blade. never forget, except maybe after you've had two grandbabies. And then you're like, perhaps I should have thought that one through. Not the point. Okay. Okay, so anyway, we pause. So okay. proceed. So I show up in the morning and, and like the night before I'm like, hey, do I need to like wear a uniform? Do I need to like are we doing matching hairstyles? Like what's going on? And she's like, wear hot pink. I'm like, cool. So <laughs> I put on my neon hot pink leggings and show up at uh, at, at the park. And she has rollerblades for me because I don't even have my own rollerblades at this point in time. And she's like, okay, we got a routine going on and we got, you know, we're doing all these tricks, practice all of your tricks. I'm like, wait, what? You didn't say anything about tricks. I don't like I, I can skate fast forward. I can do like a figure eight, uh, uh, like, a, and I can do a lot of jazz hands. I can make it look like I'm having the time of my life. That's what I thought I signed up for. <laughs> So the news gets there. It's some segment because Sarah does these rollerblading classes with ladies, right? Apparently, everybody's trying out for Disney inline skating parade that's coming back. It used to be here in the 90s. And now it's going to happen. And they're all auditioning for the holiday parade. And that's what the news is there for. I'm like, I had no idea about any of this. I just show up to rollerblade in my hot pink pants. So this news segment is supposed to be about local ladies that... Auditioning for the Disney parade. Are, number one, are in this class. <laughs> Which I'm not. number two, that are auditioning for Disney. Also, I'm not. The Disney parade. Right. And then you've got Mikkel. And that can do all of, like, they've got the routine and that they can do all of the skills. I'm like, dude, I've got two of the five skills. Okay, I can't do that either. Anyway... It was super fun. It was a little bit of a debacle for, for myself, <laughs> but it was hilarious. I killed it. I killed it doing the conga line yeah. with everybody. Uh huh. I, I skated that. really fast. I did a little figure eight and I looked awesome in my hot pink pants. And she had a hot pink tank for me to wear for desert paddles. And jazz hands. And ja I had jazz hands like no tomorrow. I looked yeah. like I was having the time of my life. Yeah. And that's what Sarah wanted. So I'm like, hey, I delivered on what I thought my job was. Unfortunately, all the other ladies have like audition tapes and all of their tricks. And that's why the news <laughs> was there. So people, they're like, why are you on the news? And what's happening with this Disney parade? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just showed up with Sarah to rollerblade in my hopping pants because that's all that I knew that was happening. So, so yeah. at what point did the reporter... Like you were off to the side. Because <laughs> I didn't know the routine. So they're all doing the choreographed routine, right? That I don't know because I've never showed up to rollerblading class before. And there are certain things you can fake, but fake right. choreographed routine. <laughs> no, it's not one of those things. You can't things. really do that. No, <laughs> no. So I'm standing off to the side and the reporter's like trying to ask me questions about the situation. I'm like, so how frequently do you guys practice? And tell me all about the parade. And I'm like, dude, I want to make sure that I'm presenting my best 
best foot forward. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. You're definitely going to want to talk to Sarah or Coach Mel on this one because I'm new to the group. I'm new, like I'm new. 15 like, minutes ago when I just showed I up just in my hot pink pants. Yeah. I jazzed it up. It. I covered it well. Yeah. I directed them to people who know the answers to all of these things. And then I skated around fast with my jazz hands and my happy smiling face. Well, my favorite story that you told me when you came back... <laughs> Was that at one point during the live? It was a live news segment. Uh, Mikel somehow uh, falls. Yeah, I was skating really fast, and I'm like, I'm not as good at stopping as I used to be, right? One of the five basic skills, right? But I don't, so I'm going super fast, and I don't know how to stop. I lose my balance as I'm stopping, and I fall. Unfortunately, a, a bad word comes out loudly on live news and I was like oh my gosh afterwards I'm like Sarah I'm so sorry I'm so sorry that that happened <laughs> anyway she was super cool about it she's like no big deal no big deal I'm super anyway it's yeah that happened too I fell yeah. on live news and uttered a loud bad word yeah it happens to the best of us <laughs> when we show up when we... for live news segments in our hot pink pants rollerblading yeah who hasn't found themselves in that situation I had a nickel for I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I. I don't even know how that happened. Anyway, yeah, that was this week. Uh, well, that's a good update. So if anybody wants to, you might be able to find it somewhere in the archives. I'm sure you can. Of the news. Fox Ten, Phoenix Fox Ten. Yeah. So yeah. go look at it. Mikkel did amazing. So I looked fantastic. But I'm even more impressed that you didn't even ask a follow-up question. <laughs> that is a level of confidence that I don't think that many people have. That maybe people ought to have, in all honesty. Put on your rollerblades, wear hot pink, the news is coming. <laughs> like, I'm there. <laughs> what, what's not to like about this whole setup? It was a good time, all right? It was a good time. All right, well, good. So it, that sort of ties in with our topic today in a roundabout way. Okay. Making a segue into our topic. For Mental Health Awareness Week, we thought we'd talk about the stigma of mental health. There's lots of different types of stigmas. And to me, I always think about the public one. You know, when you talk about society's stigma of those that have mental illness. But I actually, as I was reading through the different types of stigma, I found out it was much, much, uh, much more nuanced, much more nuanced. Mm. One of the interesting ones was self stigma. And so I talked to Mikkel and I said, well, maybe we should talk about this because I think this is interesting, the self-stigma and why people with mental illness might stigmatize themselves. You know what is interesting? I never thought about this one in this way because our very, very first episode was what mental illness is and how it's a physical brain illness. Like it's none of those things, a, a weakness in character, a laziness, a lack of positive thinking, like a lot of the things that I myself misunderstood going into my whole life with mental illness and why it was really hard to have that diagnosis in the beginning. Now it's, I have no problem with this diagnosis because I understand what it is. So I have no self-stigma. I had just never labeled it like that before. Yeah. So the very first ed episode is like, look, no need for self-stigma because once we understand what mental illness really is, a physical brain illness, it takes a lot of those perceived uh, negative associations with mental illness out of the picture, for me anyway. Yeah. So it was super interesting to have this discussion this morning. And 
we had this discussion this morning and then I'm like, babe, we should not be having this discussion. This needs to be recorded because a lot of times we'll go through the episode and then when we go to record it, it'll feel like we, I already said that, but I already said that to you, not recording. So I'm like, we need to stop talking right now because this is good stuff. Well, there's different types of stigma. Uh, one that I thought was also interesting, associative stigma. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know what it was. I'm like, wait, what? What? Associative stigma occurs when family members, friends, or caregivers of individuals with mental health conditions also experience stigma and discrimination because of their association with someone who has a mental illness. So I suddenly realized that I might have inadvertently been part of associative stigma. And uh, you you delicately uh, suggested that that might be why I don't have any friends. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, dude, I can't be friends with you. Your wife... Um, has a bipolar diagnosis. You thought it was you. <laughs> I'm so glad that you now know so, it had nothing to do with you. It was very You're just experiencing associative stigma. Are yeah. you okay? It, it was do, very helpful for me to realize that that it's not just it's not it's not me. <laughs> do we need to get you into counseling to <laughs> figure out how to deal with your associative stigma? Yes. That you've experienced unfairly because you're such a good it, friend. It was unfairly. This. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm an amazing friend and person. So. <laughs> They're like, dude, no, I just don't like There's you. A, okay. No. Has nothing to do with anything else. I just don't like you, no. and that's why I don't want to be friends with you. It's got to like, be you, Mikkel. You're like the reason. I believe it's associative stigma. <laughs> okay. The real one we want to focus on is self-stigma for a couple of reasons. Number one... Like, how do you change society? I mean, it's really hard to be like, okay, what are the steps to change society's stigma of mental illness? And and there are ways you can do it. But ultimately, I really think the root comes down to those experiencing mental illness. If they overcome the stigma themselves and are confident and that are open, that see themselves in a different light, they will act differently and sort of lead people to think of them differently and almost, you know, set an example. So people are like, oh, wow, they view the person, they view mental illness differently. Instead of just hearing about something on the news about someone who had a mental illness breakdown, they know somebody, they know the day-to-day and they respect that person. They love that person. And so any weird things they hear, they're like, oh yeah, that's not, that's not true. That's not well, true. I think there are a couple things here because there are people that address this on a macro level. Right. To break this down to an economics lesson. Yes. There are people like Debbie Plotnick working with lawmakers and things yeah. like that to change the structure of society to be more helpful for those with mental illness, to protect things, to to put systems in place. But I well, think the majority of us are on a micro level. Yeah. And, and the macro level, just an example is I know there's been efforts to make mental health services covered by insurance uh-huh. that typically weren't. And so that's a problem that people are addressing on a macro level. Yeah. So, But I would say 95% of the people deal with it. 98% of the people deal with this on a micro level, which is just our own selves. Yeah. So I just wanted you to share, because I think, you know, early on when you were first diagnosed, how would you describe your self stigma or how did you think about yourself and your newly diagnosed mental illness? Oh gosh, that was like such a rough diagnosis to get. And I know we've talked about this several times in the past, like in different episodes, but getting the diagnosis from the doctor and how I just argued, I'm like, I'm not depressed. Like I'm not, I don't have mental illness because I didn't understand what mental illness was. Number one, physical brain 
illness. It's not anything else. And all of the associations I had with it were negative stereotypes. I didn't really know anybody that talked about it. It is different in today's world now because a lot of people talk about it. There are a lot of people more open. I know many people who live well with mental illness. And at the time I received my diagnosis, I did not know anybody who was open with this, who talked about it, that I could look to for an example, right? And now I know a lot of people. And hopefully that's what we can offer as well. So the definition of self-stigma is um, internalized stigma, which occurs when individuals with mental health conditions internalize the negative beliefs and stereotypes associated with their condition. Uh, They may feel shame, guilt, or reduced self-esteem as a result. And I definitely went through that. I remember a lot of years really having very low self-esteem, thinking I used to be all these awesome things. Yes. Now I'm like barely coping. But to be fair, at the time, I really was barely coping. Right. And it and yes, it was directly related to my mental illness diagnosis. But it wasn't because living with mental illness is non-copable. Can I coin that phrase? Can I say that <laughs> that's a word? It wasn't because you can't live well and thrive with mental illness. It was because I wasn't, I didn't know how to do it. And so I currently was not implementing those things in my life. So I was not... Not thrive. What's the opposite of thriving? <clears throat> Struggling? I don't Suffering? know. I feel like there's got to be a, a worse word. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, Imploding? Wah, wah. <laughs> it's got to be something like that. So, but I, but I was not, I was not well. Well, here's the thing, you know, and I had known you for a long time uh, before we got married. Um, you know, we dated off and on for five years. And one of the reasons I was attracted to you was because of all of your talents and abilities and you're, you know, a hard worker and you, you know, set goals and you were, I mean, all of these things, you excelled in school academically. You did amazing. I was a rock star. You're a rock star. And then all of a sudden you get a diagnosis and all of a sudden you throw out all of those in my own, in your own head, you disregard all of the good things and the, the quality attributes and the talents and the abilities that you had disregard all of those and replace it with this one negative thing as if that supersedes and eliminates everything else that you're talented and and good. And it felt like it at the time though, because I could no longer do all of those things. I was not excelling academically or, I mean, I wasn't in school at the time, but like I wasn't excelling in my life, taking care of the home, functioning, setting goals. Like I couldn't do any of those things. I could barely get off the couch. I had a suicide attempt, you know, well, like I wasn't okay. And, and I think that's the difference is, you know, if, if you view that as this is a temporary thing, yeah. I'm still this person, but temporarily, you know, I have this weight that I'm dealing with and I'll get through it and I'll then, you know, but it's like, you didn't change. I didn't know it was temporary. Right. I was kind of like, this is my new reality. This is the rest of my life, what this is going to look like. And that's where I desperately needed to be able to see somebody living well with it, thriving with it, to know this is a rough patch. All right. You're going to figure this out. It's going to be okay. You can have a wonderful life. You can have a happy family. You can have a healthy relationship. Uh, You can have a hot husband. (laughs) <laughs> right? Don't worry. Your husband's going to stay real hot. In theory. <laughs> You've read about it in books. <laughs> but I didn't know that I could have any of those happy, healthy things in my life still because I felt like 
all of that was gone. I no longer had any of those abilities. And if I had had somebody saying, look, sis, it's going to be fine, right? It's going to be rough while you figure this one out, but it's going to be fine. Then I think I could have relaxed so much more and it would have taken away some of that stuff stigma and allowed me to say, this is me figuring out how to live with mental illness. And, and once I figure this out, it's going to be fine. So the, the, question I have for you is how does somebody maintain their self-esteem, their self, a positive self-image when they're in the middle of it? And, you know, it is temporary, but let's say you're in the middle of it and you just can't see anything good, (laughs) any of your talents, any of your, because what you're, you know, like you were saying, you, at that moment, you were not doing those things. Um, Because it's sometimes it feels like it's not temporary. And if you're not working on things and you don't know the steps to take and how to start managing your mental illness, well, it won't be temporary and it can be the rest of your life. That's where my stress came from. And once I realized there are so many things that I can control that can help me be stable because mental illness really just threw threw so much into my life that made me feel wildly out of control because I didn't have control over my energy swings. I didn't have control over my moods. I didn't have control over uh, a lot of my emotions. And so it was really hard to feel like I'm still awesome when everything inside my head felt so out of control. So once I realized, hey, there are so many steps, like get in with a professional, meet with psychiatrist. I started on medication because that's something that was necessary for my own management. I started to get tools with counselors. I started to be super careful about lifestyle management, getting sleep, going to bed, eating healthy, exercising. And this was a process because obviously when I'm suicidal, I couldn't even get off the couch and brush my teeth and shower. Like I'm not going to be able to do all of these things that I now do that helped me manage and live well. So it was only, I was only able to add a very few things at a time, but honestly, just knowing I have more control than I thought that I did changed so many things for me mentally. And that's why it is a process, but you can do it. If you don't know to do it and you're not taking the steps, it can be forever. It can be the rest of your life. And that's where I needed to see somebody saying, look, yes, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And this is how, this is how you do it. And I think, uh, you know, a positive change that happened is I think before the diagnosis and many people, myself included, fall into this where your self-esteem is based on what you do, Mm -hmm. what you achieve, what you accomplish. And so the more you do, the more you achieve, the more you accomplish, the better person you think you are and your self-esteem, you're like, oh, I'm amazing. Um, So what happens then if you're not able to do all of those achievement, outward, amazing things, then suddenly you have to figure out your self-worth without those. Right, right. And I, I think everybody in life has to figure that out eventually. But I think it was an opportunity in roundabout way. Because I don't think your current self-esteem, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but (laughs) I don't think you look at yourself and say, I'm amazing because I do this, I do this, I do this. Yeah. And it's not based on... I'm amazing because I'm amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is different. And I think it's a healthier 
the self-esteem. I would agree. And it also takes a lot of pressure off. Like I don't ever feel like I have to live up to XYZ or do XYZ to be a good person, to be an amazing person. Like not even, yeah, I'm fine-ish. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm a rock star and it's not because of anything that I do. It's because I'm awesome on the inside. You teach a Sunday school class to like teenagers to 15, 16 year olds at church. And the other week you asked me to come in and help you do it. Yeah. So I sat in with you and that was part of the discussion is like, what makes us amazing? Like if we're messing up all the time, if we're not perfect, if we're doing all of these things and I popped in, I'm like, I'm freaking awesome. I'm ama- I, like, I mess up all the time. I make mistakes all the time. I'm not perfect in so many things, but I'm freaking amazing. <laughs> and I remember watching the the young women especially mm-hmm. they were kind of laughing and i think it's healthy to see role models that are embracing how awesome they are and it's not because of what they do and how perfect they are but you can easily be imperfect and still be a rock star you can easily be like working through the whole mental illness situation and you know maybe not doing all the things you used to do and still be a rock star I mean, it's like a mentality. I remember a friend asked me a long time ago, would you say you're a victim of your story or a hero of your story? Like, hands down, I'm a hero. I'm a superstar. I'm a superhero. (laughs) Superstar hero. What are all the words? Super rock star hero. Star, star. (laughs) That's what I am. But it's just because, like, I can't control my own life. And even if I can't control every single thing in it, which I cannot, and there's still a lot of things I can't control. I can, I'm a hero because I control the very small things that I can and I put in the work and do it. And it doesn't mean that I'm always at the, at the place where I can accomplish big, great things. Sometimes my accomplishment is I get up and I went to the gym that day or I ate healthy food. Like they can be small accomplishments or they can be no accomplishments, but it doesn't change the fact that I... I'm still the hero of my own story. It's all a mentality, right? And not like positive thinking makes it so you don't have negativity, makes it so you don't have mental illness. Like it's not that at all. It's just feeling like I'm powerful in for myself. And that's what I needed to feel like. And that to me is like getting rid of that self-stigma was getting back into the I'm powerful because I'm in control of my own life and my own person. The question is how... And can you have positive self-esteem when you're in the middle of it, when you haven't figured it out, when you're, because I think a lot of times we can say, I'll feel better about myself once I have this figured out. Right. And I did feel like that. That was a process. Like looking back, I wish that I had been able to change my mentality and get rid of some of that self-stigma sooner because it would have helped me. I don't think that you have to have everything figured out in managing your mental illness to be rid of the self-stigma. Like it's okay to be really patient with ourselves and I'm a lot better at it now, but it was, it was like such a relearning of everything that I knew at the time. So it took me some time to do that one. And we always talk about this, that the things you learn working through mental illness are just things that everybody else learns in some different way, mm-hmm. you know? And I think so many of us and me included our self-esteem. And if we're struggling with something, if we're not perfect at it, we think, well, I'll, I'll view myself differently once I overcome this or once I achieve this or once I'm more successful here. And I think mental illness just forces you to learn that lesson. Yeah. It's just the vehicle to teach you life lessons. And if we can view it as that, like whatever challenges we hit, these challenges are just vehicles to help us learn important life skills and life lessons. 
mental illness, I think, yeah, everybody should learn. Yeah, that everybody learns in different ways. So, I mean, you shouldn't feel bad about that you're learning it through this vehicle. Mental illness, I think the vehicle is bigger and crashes more. (laughs) It does. It goes up in fiery flames a little bit more than some of those other vehicles to help you learn. So that one is true. Yes, the education is a little more intense, Mm -hmm. but it's very effective or can be. It can be. It can be. Right. It can also not be if you don't (laughs) manage it. So oddly enough, things on this list that they, they, uh, when I was researching things that overcome the self-stigma are exactly the things that you've done for the last 20 years or whatever. You know, it talks about educating yourself. Yes. From day one, I like read every single thing I could to figure out like, this isn't going to beat me. What am I, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? Talk about being an advocate and volunteering and helping other people who are struggling with similar things, how important that is um, to, you know, go to therapy. Because a lot of times in therapy, you can learn how to reframe all of these things and the negative feelings you have about yourself as someone who has mental illness. Uh, change the narrative in your head. Talks about focusing on your strengths. I think. You need somebody else. Sometimes you need people outside, family members, friends that can reiterate all the good things. I feel like I needed you uh, definitely through that time period when you were asking, like, what do you do to overcome that? I relied heavily on you during that time because I didn't see those things myself. Well, and we talked about this on another episode where there was a time where I wrote on post-it notes all the thing, all the strengths that I saw, the things I loved about you, your talents, your abilities, your skills. And uh, we put them all up on the closet door. Well, every morning I would wake up I, and I was having a hard time at that time. My meds weren't stable. It was hard to get out of bed. Yeah. And I would wake up every morning and you would have a different post-it note on the mirror in the bathroom for me yeah. to read. And it like it was extremely meaningful. And yes, that was many years ago. And I have all of those post-it notes up on the closet door right now as I'm looking at them. You are yeah. my best friend. You are a good listener. And so sometimes you need additional reminders because you just don't see it. But it's important to focus on your strengths. You know, minimize the, the mental illness component of your entire person who you are. Well, don't assign that mental illness component to be your entire person. Right. It feels like it because it can affect every single thing in your life for a while while you're figuring that one out. But it's just a small thing. Okay, it's a big thing. That was a, a lie. It's a big <laughs> it's thing. A big, well, it's a big thing, but it doesn't have to define... Right. It's not the whole thing. Right. Yeah. It talks about seeking role models. You know, people that have been there, that have done that, and that you're like, okay, I, I can make it through. And, you know, you were saying that's part of why you wrote the book and doing the podcast is you can encourage people that it will be better. And yeah, it is okay. Because I didn't have that. Yeah. And then the last one we talk about is just the importance of being open, mm-hmm. loud and proud. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> and I think that's really one of the things that changed it for you. Right is that once you decided to write the book, I mean, that's being loud and proud. Yeah. <laughs> once you decided to do a podcast, that's a big decision. And you talked before about how hard that was and how intimidated you were and how you, you didn't really want to do it. 
I did not. It took a long time for me to want to do it. And then even after I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I didn't want to put my own name on it. Right. I'm like, should I choose a pen name? So nobody knows it's me. Uh, no, you should not. Because what, like, how what do you, would do you use? Proud? What was your pen name? If you used one, your pseudonym. If... Uh, I don't know. Ellen, I went shopping yesterday and we found this like Goodwill, yeah. right? We were looking for old frames and we found a thing that was like, what's your pirate name? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe pirate I would name? use my pirate name. What's your pirate name? My pirate name was like Hominy Two Shoes or like something super dumb like that. <laughs> so I'm imagine... like, what pirate name is Hominy? <laughs> like they go by the letter of your first name and the letter of your last name or whatever. <laughs> so just think you could have bought a book written by Hominy Two Shoes. <laughs> Everyone would be like, what the heck? <laughs> Thriving with mental illness. With Ella's was issues. like parrot something or other. I don't know. <laughs> Pirate names are really not that cool. I realized. Well, how do you think it, it changed? Assuming you would have done the whole fake name <laughs> <laughs> versus, you know, using your real name. Because it, it would continue the shame and embarrassment in my own head. I feel like we need to throw back to this. We talk now very openly about my suicide attempt, but my suicide attempt was in 2008. Yeah. That was a long time. That was 15 years ago. Mm. And we did not tell anyone what happened. Yeah. We, I mean, it was obvious the emergency services came, the fire truck was here. I was taken away in an ambulance, right? I went to the hospital and like people in the neighborhood knew something happened, something right? Was up. Something's up. We don't know what's going on in the Buck's house. Something's going on in the Buck's house. And we told everybody, I just had a reaction to medication. Yeah. Which that is true. I reaction because I took several bottles, entire bottles of medication. So yes, technically that was true, but we didn't tell anybody what was going on. And I look back now, I'm like, I don't know that I would have done it different, though, because that yeah. was so hard for me to reconcile. And I didn't want people right. to know about it because there was, I feel like even 15 years ago, a lot more stigma over stuff like that. People didn't talk about it. There were a lot of opinions, a lot of whispers. And we still got that, Yeah, you know, which is really hard. But the more, the better I felt about the situation, and the more I understood about it. Like now, obviously, we tell everybody. Yeah. We tell all of our friends in Australia, even. That's, <laughs> that's how open we are with it. But it's certainly been a process to get through all of that. But that's what's helped me. Like, I'm not embarrassed about it anymore at all. I think that's the good point is you can go from hiding to writing a book. No, it's definitely steps. And so along the way. I think that's the whole point is wherever you are in the whole continuum, take a little step forward and be a little braver. Well, it's like even now. I mean, my organization, Mental Illness Warrior, my whole website, mentalillnesswarrior.com, that is what I identify with. I am a warrior. I'm freaking awesome. I'm a freaking super star hero, rock star, 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 <laughs> awesome warrior. <laughs> but that's what the whole merch is too. I mean, it loud and proud says it on the front, mental illness warrior. We've got their sweatshirts, the shirts. And it's been so interesting to me. We sell so many of the management tools and not nearly as much proportionately of the merch. And you brought up something interesting. You were like, well, what if... Like you have that emblazoned all over the front of all of the merch, like mental right. illness warrior. People may or may not be in that spot yet. Like, but I want them to be. Right. Identify with that. You guys, like, we're awesome. We're warriors. Because you could have a little symbol or, you know, a lot of times there's, a, uh, you know, like, like the semicolon. Right, or, right. Where if you know, you know, that one's pretty big. So a lot of people yeah. know that one. But, 
like the brain logo that we have that's part of our branding and merchandising. So, and that's on the hat. So if you're not at the place where you can wear a mental illness warrior shirt and, and be okay with it, you could, you can wear the hat with the little brain logo on the front and nobody will be the wiser. And then when people ask about it, then you can choose to say what it is. You could be like, I'm super smart. So uh, that's so, why I have a brain hat on. I got a scholarship in college and got this hat with it. <laughs> My teacher gave me five <laughs> gold stars because I'm a, I'm a smarty pants. So whatever you want to say, or you can talk about it being, you know, mental illness warrior stuff. But I want, I wish that people were more comfortable with this. I want them to be more comfortable with this. And the way to do it is just do it. It's like right. in Hitch. Do you remember that scene in Hitch, the very beginning where there's this guy and Hitch dressed him all up and bought him these fancy shoes and this nice suit. The guy's like, I don't really know if those shoes are me. And he's like, listen, you bought the shoes. You are wearing the shoes. The shoes are you. And I feel like that, you know, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it type thing. It's okay if in the beginning we don't feel awesome. Like we're a little bit nervous about wearing my mental illness warrior stuff, right? It's, it's okay if we're a little bit nervous about it, but you, it's okay to grow into it backwards, if that makes sense. Well, and what if you don't think you're a warrior? What if you view yourself like, I'm, I'm not a warrior in this. I'm barely surviving. I'm yeah. like, but that's what trench. I want. I want people to change their mindset because even if you're army crawling through the trenches at the moment, in the mud, yeah, even if it's not looking pretty at the moment, you're still a warrior because you're working on it. That's one of the quotes. My beautiful tracking journal, my revolutionary tracking journal, the name of it, <laughs> it on as far as our merch on the website that helps with all of the tools for management, like the habit tracking, the medication, the charting your energy and your emotions and moods and stuff like that. I've put in important quotes to me throughout the book. And one of them is I quote myself. I figure I could do that because it's my book. A lot of the quotes are other people. As but I often say. As I often say. Quote. <laughs> Close quote. <laughs> but the quote is, you're a warrior, not because you've, you've figured it out, but because you're working on it. And I right. want people to really internalize that. We're warriors because we're working on it, not because we're perfect at it. Right. If you're in the struggle, if you're fighting, waking up each day. If you're, if you're on the struggle bus. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think the, one of the purposes of the merch, the sweatshirts and the T-shirts is to just get people to embrace the warrior mentality that they are. Because just that takes people a step forward. Yeah. Instead of hiding, instead of feeling like they're being, you know. Instead of hiding or... Or not wanting anyone to know yet. Yeah. If you're still trying to like, instead of like <laughs> pretend like you don't have it. Or running from it. Yeah. It's like you're turning around and <laughs> like our, our family story of us at the, the beach with Ella when she was little and uh, the waves. She was like three. She, she was, was like little, three. Little. So she was little. And when you're three, the waves will just punish you. <laughs> they, will, <laughs> they pummel you. They well, will... she did get pummeled. She got tumbled and like spit back up on the beach. It was yeah. Super traumatizing for her. It took about half an hour on the beach to recover from that. And so I was just hanging out with her. I thought we'd just sit it out and let her recover from, you know, being attacked by the waves. And all of a sudden she gets up in her little three-year-old voice and she's like, dad, we need to face all fields. And so she took my hand and we walked back into the Marched waves. Marched back into the waves. And got pummeled again. <laughs> Loud and proud Loud she was. <laughs> but yeah, just the idea that you might get tumbled around, but you're fighting. 
and you can identify as a warrior. I would love people to just be a warrior, like embrace it. Don't be afraid. Get some merch, wear it. (laughs) Maybe I'll tell people only on the podcast, I'll add a secret code for the, for the merch, especially for like the sweatshirt and the shirts. Oh, that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be loud and proud. All one word. No caps, loud and proud, and you're going to get a 25% discount on the merch. On the merch. This is live, people. Okay. This is live. I'm throwing it out right okay. now, and I'm not <laughs> going to write about it. I'm not going to say anything else. It's only going to be on this episode. So if you've heard this episode, go get merch, sweatshirt, shirts, whatever, with the code loud and proud. It's not going to be documented anywhere. It could be for you. It could be for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Glad you thought of that. I know. On the fly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and hopefully people will love it because winter's coming up. The sweatshirts are the freaking awesomest thing I've ever seen in my life. They're 3D printed with MIW and then 3D printed with Mental Illness Warrior down the sleeve. And they come in this cool, awesome brown and black. And they're these thick hoodies with silver aglets. They're so beautiful. They're singularly the most beautiful piece of clothing and sweats I've ever owned or seen in my life. And everybody who has them loves them. Those are the ones I get comments on all the time. And those ones yes. don't go on. They've never gone on sale before. Although they are uh, fairly narrow or tailored. And well, I have bigger sizes too. But yeah, yeah they're slimmer cut. They're not like big, huge, loose. Baggy. They're not. They're, they're kind of baggy, but they're, they're a straighter cut. Yeah. So they're awesome though. Yeah. Go get it for the winter with your secret code that nobody's <laughs> going to know about because it won't be written anywhere. I'll say it again. Loud and proud. All one word. 25% off. We say it secretly. Loud and proud. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully people will do that, though. I want people to get rid of the self-stigma. Don't have the self-stigma. Well, and I do think it has a ripple effect. You know, the self-stigma changes. Then people around you view it differently because you're because you view it differently and a lot of times people around you look for you look to you to see how they should it's like, how, like how do we feel about this we oh we we feel are like we, this about this okay yeah. yeah we're all good now they look to, for cues right and so i think we can lead them and give them the appropriate cues and they go oh okay the word this is normal okay mm-hmm. we can talk about this there's nothing weird or awkward about talking about this at all Right. And, and it takes us to be the ones to, to lead people to that, to bring it up first or to whatever, talk positively, identify as warriors. You know, yeah. people will follow our own lead. The research that I did, it said one of the most effective ways to change the stigma is when people have someone in their close circle of friends or family that are dealing with mental illness and they have a huge amount of respect for those people. And it just changes when you know somebody because it's more personal and you see the strengths and you see the talents and you see you see the whole person. I think you can have that effect on your circle of influence. And yeah. If everybody did that, then that's how you change. Yeah. Society. Thanks, Adam. Easy. Thanks, my guy. <laughs> we just saved the world. We just solved the world. Solved the, the world problem. Ella said that one time, too school when she was in the third grade they had that uh, whole week of one of them was like save the earth or something like that so she didn't want to use plastic sandwich baggies she made me wrap everything in wax paper for her lunch and stuff like that and then the next day 
she wanted all of her lunch and sandwich baggies. And I said, oh, I thought you were saving the world. She's like, I did that yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So we're saving the world, but we want you to continue to save the world. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us. We love that you come back again and again. Please share this episode with people and help to get rid of your own stigma, but let other people know that that's important as well. And then they also can get the secret code, loud and proud, for 25% off their cool sweatshirt. If you have topics that you would like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at mentalillness.warrior. You can also submit them on our website, mentalillnesswarrior.com. On the back page is where you submit questions or topics or anything like that to be covered. If you like the podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. Thank you for being here and we will see you next time. See you next time.